Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you so much for joining us today on the Hideous Bride podcast. Hey, bet. <laughs> I am your good buddy, Nate. This is my pal, Mark, and we are having a good time with our podcast in all seriousness. Thank you so much for the subscribers on all the different platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Google, Apple. Um, I'm sure something else that we're old, so we don't know about that you're listening on. I did get a Mark. You will appreciate this. I think I sent you the screenshot. I did get feedback saying I subscribed on YouTube. Yes, but let's be honest. You guys are way better heard than seen. So I listened <laughs> to you on a on Spotify. No, argument. But we like that because it's a double. So you know we get two for one. Absolutely. Uh, I'm actually trying to grow the Spotify platform too because Spotify is the one that it allows me to put in questions and polls. Uh, um. So I've been doing that and we've been getting feedback. The last two poll questions I've put out, we've had one person respond. And so it's like a hundred percent of the people said this is like, how many responded? One. <laughs> well, there you go. So thank you for the one Spotify poll respondent, but we're going to be putting more poll questions on this on Spotify. So if you listen on audio, listen on Spotify, because that's going to give you a chance to, um, to respond the polls are anonymous they don't tell me who you know the names of the people that respond um okay. and sometimes asking you know i'm trying to think of some good questions and related uh, related to it the one mistake i've made well i've made many over the years but besides starting this podcast another mistake that i made was i i put a uh, an expiration date on the poll but i mean it seems like you've got to but so if you go back and listen to a previous episode the poll is already going to be closed so i don't know how long we should leave those polls open for um in order to get the most amount of uh of feedback i don't really know but we're playing with that so yeah and grow well, reach out in any way but yeah if you i mean election integrity is big it is for us. absolutely so i believe we, in it we want to make sure that when we do a, a poll question that it's it's dealt with in the most sincere manner and that yes. uh, the answers are not determined by us ahead of time. And yes. so, uh, but I mean, I know we, we like to, we're genuinely trying to Mark, I I'll share with you. So for those of you that wouldn't know, Mark and I are recording these kind of close. So yep. usually yep. we'll try to just check in and be like, Hey, what happened last week? Well, literally <laughs> I'm sharing something that happened last night because yeah. I already shared with you guys in the last episode um, what was going on in my life? All that you need to know. Um, you know, I tell right. you what I think you need to hear. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but my wife and I last night were easy, talking. careful. Oh, okay. <laughs> talking. Okay. Okay. And I was just, I'll be honest with you, dude. I was just, and I have been for a while and kind of a little bit of a church funk. And I've kind of referenced yeah. that here and, you know, it's probably to try to my 30,000 foot view on everything. It probably stems from the fact of, a loss that I'm never going to get back. So yeah. we went to a church on Sunday and um, my wife and daughter were at a kid's check-in because it was a newer place. We were just checking out to see. So we have no idea what's going on. And I'm standing with Bob in the foyer. Some guy walks up to talk to us, which was really cool um, because that usually doesn't happen at bigger churches. Right. And I talked to him for maybe 30 seconds. I mean, maybe 30 seconds. And I introduced myself. And then I go to introduce my son who's right next to me. And in that short amount of time I turned, I'm not going to share what he was doing, but it was something that was just, you know, it, you may laugh if it wasn't your kid, but if it's your kid, it's just, it just sucks. Right. Like, and so the guy was really cool. He played it off. 
we were able to get Bub's attention away by just us turning to him. So it stopped, but it was like, are you freaking kidding me? Right. So then right. we, we take him to his class and then um, in the process of it, and I'm not dogging the church, but the, you know, we, we just so happened to show up on, they're doing a give it all in three weeks, basically, <laughs> and, oh. you know? So for those of you that wouldn't know, Mark and I attended a place that would do give it alls at least twice, twice a year, year. Yeah. And special offerings all over the place for something that they're building. And right. this church is expanding and growing like crazy from where they were just 15 years ago. So they're building and I get it, but they're talking about like $5 million worth of renovations and they've already done part of it and they got to do more. And then, um, well, when we dropped our son off, it was like, and I could understand on one end how I guess there's a parking lot by where the special needs go, but the special needs is not in the kids building at all, like oh. at all. And then they're showing us videos about how they're going to redo the entire kids building. And it's looking awesome with these things, you know, but obviously you look at what affects you. So we're like, okay, well, I just put my kid in a back corner, what it felt like. And there was other special needs kids in there. There was a lot of workers, genuine people. But to get to him, I had to walk down like all these different hallways. So I put him in that room after what just happened. Church is over. Got to go get him right away. And he's not going to let you talk to anybody. Um, so, you know, so last night we were talking about church and I said that to say, I just looked at her and I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care where you want to go. She's like, well, I, I said, no, listen, I'm just going to sit there and hear a sermon. As long as I don't hear someone tell me that I'm a pile of crap. Right. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I can do that on my own. I'm doing it right, right now very well. You know, yep. like as long as I don't hear somebody beat us up, I don't care if it's, you know, whatever denomination. And here's why I said that, because I will never be able to fully get involved. Yeah. Like I because I have to take him. At, it doesn't matter where it is. I'm going to have to take him at a specific time because no church is can watch a special needs kids five hours a week. Right where I have friends who they they'll go to church and there's like an eight o'clock service. They'll go to that. And then they'll be there all day yep. because they're serving for us. We literally can't do that. I would have to leave my wife behind. And she's like, well, you could go with Laura. And, and, I, and I looked at her and I was like, and how has that worked out well in the past? Right. You know, like it's worked out horribly. And then she's like, okay, you're right. So, you know, because and here's another part of a pity party and feel free to take over here, Mark, but you've mentioned from your dad experience, right? There's nothing worse in a church than a former pastor. I learned right. that the hard way. Yep. I think it would be one thing if a church didn't have a pastor and they called me in from the outside, but I learned the hard way. If you just show up to a church and then you start helping, if anything starts to go bad, they instantly revert back to why did you show up in the first place? Right. Exactly. Like, it's yep. ingrained in their mind. Like, Oh, well, he says he's helping, but he, right. you know, what brought him here? And if it's so all of those things. So the other part that I would say is like number two on that list, and it's it could even be one A and one B is. So I'm a former pastor and then I have a child with special needs. I mean, unless I want to become some evangelist and just puff myself up to, you know, or say stupid things like we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, I think it's over for me. But then I told Catherine, to where bring it to the hideous bride. I think we're bringing a voice to people who feel like where I'm at, yep. where they need a community. They don't want to just be full of bitterness. Sorry if I just was, but um, but they 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 need they they're like searching and they feel out of place. And I think we're providing that 
Yeah. And so our goal is to, as we get this community, get you a place also where we can share guys with you who, yeah, we're having the crazy conversations no one else is having, but we also want to build you up biblically with some people there. So, you know, how was your night with your wife last night? Like, as, as a can't parent, talk you about know, it. Nope. This is a kid friendly oh, show. Church. Yeah, kid friendly show. We did go to church, and my wife is a nurse. She worked all day long, and she comes home on Wednesday nights just in time to get ready for church. Basically, we try to do a handoff on Wednesday nights. So uh, our Wednesday night service starts at six thirty. She gets home between four thirty and five, and my goal is to have fed our youngest daughter, to have fed the dog to have taken it out to go poop, to get my daughter in the shower. And then I can, when she comes home, I'm like, you know, those big things are done. Our older two, it's kind of like eat whatever you want on Wednesday night. Uh, We're not fixing dinner. And uh, so I was successfully able to do that last night and handed off things to her as I walked. We're only two two doors down from the church. So walked over to the office and then I start making coffee, whatever. But I struggle with Wednesday nights a lot um, made worse by guys who get online and talk like their Wednesday night churches are through the roof, you know, out the, you know, you know, yeah. out uh, off the charts and ours isn't ours. Ours is just a small group of really good people, but it's not growing. Um, it's just, we have, we've tried, we've, and, and we've done all of it, right? We, we did when I first came, it was sit down in the church pews, all eight of you. And, you know, I will, uh, try to teach a Bible lesson, and then we'll divide up into prayer. But we did the prayer meeting thing, and and I love that because I have memories of that as a child. But they're child memories, so I don't know how you know detailed they are. But yeah. we tried that. But I know for the men, when we would break up between men and women, um, it was always me and a couple of the deacons that would pray. That was it. Like everybody else was just in there, and I know like we're joining together in prayer, but. It's just the same people every week. And all the prayer requests are always the same. It's people's toenails and someone with cancer. And, so, yeah. you know, it's always the same stuff. Hardly ever any answers to prayer. And that's a topic I'd love to discuss someday. Uh, but so I was like, no, we're not going to. So we won't do that anymore. And and after the pandemic, we just started coming back. We're in the fellowship hall. We always have some food, some coffee. And Wednesday nights is kind of our open forum night. Like you come with, you know, you can ask me anything and I'll tell you, I don't know if I don't know, but uh, you, I mean, so any question, there's no question that is off the table. Uh, And for a while that was like, it was, we were going gangbusters with questions, but then after a while, because honestly, most people don't read their Bible trying to ask questions that, you know, after a while, it's just like, what have you guys been reading this week? What questions do you have? And everybody's looking at their Bibles like they do in junior high when you're looking for a volunteer. And so it's, I feel like it's kind of coming to the end of, of that usefulness, which means that I'm going to have to start studying for Wednesday nights again. And, you know, I'm sorry. It's just, man. Um, and I think this is some of what we're going to talk about. And so I'll just throw it out here so that it can be brewing in people's minds, but just like how much, how much study, how much stuff can people even absorb? Right. And just the amount of time that goes into it. So that was our that that's our that's our Wednesday nights. And I I jokingly tell people my two favorite times of the week are Wednesday night at 730 and Sunday night at 630. I'm like, why? What happens then? We finish church um, and I get to go home. <laughs> 
honestly, I mean, I'm just being like completely real. And I love our yeah. church people. It's not that I don't, you know, but um, a lot of small church pastors understand what it is that I'm that I'm that I'm saying there. And the guys that don't, you know, I'm happy for you. Like if you just if you just well, I'm just having the time of my life. Yeah, we've only got six people, but the Lord is in the midst of us. I'm happy for you. I would not do anything to undermine that joy. Honestly, I, I I'm envious of it because for me, it's like the thrill is gone. Um, and I just, you know, I'm, t I don't, man, geez, we're going to get off into a hold, you know? So I feel like I need to just, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm struggling, Nate, I'm just struggling. Oh, anyway. Um, but uh, sometimes the music background helps. So that was our Wednesday night. And, you know, my wife and I didn't even hardly talk after church because, you know, she's exhausted from the day and we're both just kind of laying there in bed like two old people. I'm watching something on my phone. Uh, and of course, that's a lie. I don't actually watch TV. We canceled Netflix because they they uh, take advantage of underage girls in beauty pageants, and uh, and you, also with Disney Plus, I'm I no good Christian would would in any way um, support that. So I don't do that. Amazon Prime is a ripoff, and Jeff Bezos is a, is a creep anyway. So mostly at night, my wife and I sit and watch reruns of uh, of Sheffy, and. Um, and our guilty pleasure are Christian films like Facing the Giants and Fireproof. I mean, who doesn't yeah. love Christian films, right? I mean, who doesn't? Like, raise yeah. your hand. Who doesn't? Like, that? me, I don't. They're stupid. Um, but, you know, hey, what can you? How do you feel about Christian films, Nate? I like a good one every so often. As Have you ever as seen a good one? I've <laughs> what I mean is like a, a sappy you know, make you uh, feel good where, you know, the ending's coming, but it's like, okay, it would be nice if this existed. Right. Like, yeah. Like facing um, the giants. Yeah. So at the like end, that. his wife's pregnant, he gets a brand new truck and his team wins. Right. right. How often doesn't yeah. that happen? Right. So like stuff like that, but you know, I, to piggyback off what you were saying about the boycotting and stuff, that is something that honestly, Mark was a, a really one of the things that was quite a few years ago that started a, a, another big domino of getting me out of the bubble that I had always been in mm -hmm. because I, I just, I got tired of waking up every morning going, okay, who am I supposed to be mad at? Today? Yeah. Who do I and need then to today? What, what angers me the most is I'm the type of guy. I don't forget stuff. Right. I wish I could, but I just, there's certain things I won't forget. Right. So I remember all the people who, three years ago we're posting we're never going to starbucks again and now i see you with starbucks cups and i think right. i never saw your post telling me why you went back yeah or the same thing with target or yep. and it goes both ways i've worked with people who i would go get a sandwich from a local shop um i mean obviously people the left hates chick-fil-a but even like some local restaurants i would go right. in town and I had somebody that was close to me at the time and they would just, did you know what the owner, I'm like, I just want to eat. Can you shut up? Like, I don't right. care. I'm you just know? here for the chicken. Yeah, <laughs> That's like, I'm just, you know, just about the chicken. Because if I have to figure out yeah. what everyone believes, I, I'm going to make myself a hypocrite in the end because no doubt, you know, and that's why, you know, you mentioned some of these. So I just, the boycotting thing or the, you know, Mark watches, Mark watches this show. And I went on IMBD and at one point there was a, a 10 second scene that was right. I just think to myself, do people really 
and I, maybe there are some that do, but I would have to think they wouldn't be watching our show because right. I'm sure YouTube and Google is something wrong. But do people really live that way or do they just enjoy being a, uh, hypocritical? Like, is it just ingrained in us? We're hypocrites. So let's just double down, you know, hmm. I, I think people I think there are some people who really do live that way. So okay. I don't know how long they can do it consistently, but I know that there was a time early in my ministry where I muted all the commercials lest I hear or see sent things that were, you know, wrong. And I yeah. actually, forgive me, Nate, I actually warned people about watching football. I think I was consistent with my worldview at that time, because yeah. if you're going to stand up in the pulpit and say that exposing the thigh is wrong, is wicked, is nakedness and, and wicked and all this stuff. And, be, you know, don't look on the wine when it's red. If you're going to say all those things, but then talk to me about your love of football. And there's no amount of muting, bleeping, blanking that you can do in a right. football game to not see uh, alcohol and a cheerleader from time to time. Like, oh, I just True. saw it. So, oh, quick, it's too late. You saw it. Yeah. Um. You, you know, so I told people, I said, you know, if, you know, I, I warned guys about watching those games because you're going to see those things. I feel like that I was being consistent with my worldview. The problem was that after a while, it's like, nobody wants to be around you, Mark. Like this is, yeah. you know, and, and I was, and I was miserable. So um turns out there is pleasure in sin. So, you know, Hey. But that's where we up. make ourselves look foolish because right. as you say, you weren't someone about football. I totally get that, especially from your perspective, but also because you're not a football fan. Exactly. So I yes. saw pastors for years do that. Yeah. You know, about doing things on Sunday, like watching football and how could you and, and things right. along those lines. But then you'd see them out in the woods because they love to hunt. Right. And they'd go to church and then they'd go hunt and then they go back to church. And you're right. thinking, okay, I could take your logic and use the same thing against hunting. Yep. Because I don't, I've been hunting, but it's not something that I like need to do. I don't right. have a desire to cover myself in doe and right. to catch a deer. I mean, yeah. you don't you know, know what you're missing. So I, yeah, but I get the guys that do it. Right. So right. I can, so I, I think that, and that's my overall point is if you're going to be consistent, the only way to truly be consistent is to just do away with everything because right. that live in logic, a cave. the bad logic leads you down a horrible spot. Like if yes. you, you know, um, if you get Disney plus, well, my kids are only allowed to watch the certain shows on there. Okay. Well, you're, paying them to make shows about right. people that you don't like. So again, we have every subscription you can think about. So I'm not, I'm not against those things. I'm just saying the mental gymnastics that somebody has to do to justify stupidity yeah. really drives me up a wall because I think, to, yep. and you know, maybe it's the fact of, of uh, you know, living the life that I have to live in other areas where I just think to myself, who cares? You right. Know? I mean, to be fair, I don't know, right. but I, people that just have to be angry. Yeah. I mean, and I don't I'm have much. anybody in mind here, but if you preach a sermon against having Disney plus and then post pictures of yourself, taking your youth group to get Starbucks, um, I'm going to call you hypocrite Yeah, because Starbucks might not push their agenda on you while you're in their stores, but the Starbucks agenda and the Disney plus agenda is the exact same agenda. So you're just a hypocrite. I mean, and so I think that's the mantra. Just choose what level of, of hypocrisy you're comfortable with. 
um, <laughs> you know, and go with that, do that. Um, but, you know, it was a good day for me as a pastor when I finally realized I don't need to be, I don't need to be that guy in people's life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't do a whole lot of pastoral counseling for one thing, because I don't think I'm arrogant enough anymore to think that I have the answers for everybody's problems. Like I'll try to help and give you some information, but I mean, I I don't bill myself as a counselor. I don't encourage people to come and see me for counsel. If, if someone asks me, I will, I'll, I'll pray for them with them. I'll try to help them, but you know, just like I'm not that guy for, for you. Um, and that's been wonderful for me, but um, I know other guys like they thrive on having a full, a full counseling, um, full counseling agenda. We're getting so far, so far off, off. Uh, uh, but yeah, so I mean, I I spent the time, especially when I was in Bible college, and for the first few years after that, um, we were very selective in what we in what we watched. We were very selective in the kind of places we went. Um, and if that's what someone wants to do, they can. I mean, do it by all means, enjoy it. But there was always a level of hypocrisy there that eventually, if you can, if you can develop a taste for it and you don't mind eating it, more power to you. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I, it's, I tell people it's like, it's like the office, right? Now, my wife has legitimately never seen The Office, right? Not my office, but The Office. But I have. And I think there's a ton of people who have watched it, and then they all pretend like they haven't. You know, because they feel like to watch The Office would be, you know, other people would think, but then you watch it and you laugh like it makes you, it, till your stomach hurts, you have favorite characters, and then you go out into the, then you go out of your basement where you're watching it, and you pretend like yeah. you're somebody different than you are. I have found tremendous freedom in, um, someone take this the wrong way, who cares? I have found tremendous freedom in trying to find a way that I can live a life that I can talk about in front of other people. Because you and I both know where we went to college, the staff did things that they didn't let the students do. And everybody knew it, but everybody pretended they didn't. And that, that I just, I just got tired of that after a while. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to be a real person. I want to be a real boy. And I want to, I want to be able to talk to people. I want to be able to talk to young people about Marvel and, you know, I've talked to teens about the Marvel movies. I love the Marvel movies. Again, you know, fireproof is your scene, then go for it. But I love the Marvel movies and to be able to talk to them and exp- and and interact with them on, you know, let's talk about the worldview that's being presented in this movie. Like movies aren't morally neutral. That's something me and the legalist can agree on. Movies are not, movies and TV shows are not morally neutral. They've never been designed to be. So I'm good with that. Just let's talk about it, right? Let's enjoy the show. And then let's talk about what's, you know, and to be able to do that without feeling like someone's going to stand up and preach to me for talking to young people about movies is, I mean, I'm getting in, I'm getting myself in trouble here, but you know, Hey, they're all watching them and you know, 
So I don't know. There you go. There's that. But what are you going to do? What are you I think it comes do? back to our topic, and Mark, you you lay out the topic here because I I would mm-hmm. be paraphrasing, but it's the faulty logic, the bad yeah. Bible. So I think what you, you know you're saying we're getting off topic. I think it all eventually comes back to yeah. when you have a bad outlook or a faulty setting, it's going to end you down a bad path. Yep. Like if you have convinced yourself that you know I understand that some things you wouldn't want your kids to watch that you watch. totally get that but if i asked you point blank have you seen such and such a movie and you're gonna lie to me Mm -hmm. when not only did you see it you've seen it five times yep because you can't truly be who you are now if something's wrong then if i'm a brother or sister in christ and i say mark have you seen and i name some just like wild risque type movie right obviously i would hope my brother would say nate look (laughs) yeah like this isn't you know this isn't what we do as believers i mean i i think i I don't think you're watching that movie for the storyline you know i think you're watching that for other reasons you're not reading that magazine for the articles right you're not reading it for the articles i mean so there is something there to say hey but to think that you're watching shows and doing things that you get in front of other people and then you enjoy going to a church where the pastor preaches against what you're doing, but it's, it, the ends justify the means because we have to keep our young people holy. Yeah. Well, how are, it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't yeah. add up because you're, you, so you want them to be like you one day to stay closeted in what they do. Right. I mean, you know, and which is exactly what happens. hundred percent. Absolutely. It drives that stuff down out of, you know, into the darkness where it cannot be dealt with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't remember what I was going to No, I didn't forget the title. I was going to respond to something you said, but I'm trying to pay attention. I'm trying to make sure that I'm not talking too much. Letting you talk, letting your wisdom flow. Um, We wanted to talk about this topic. We're about 30 minutes, just about 30 minutes into the uh, episode. So it's a good place to finally get around to it. is how do we deal with all the bad, you know, what's with all the bad Bible and how do we deal with it? And I'll come up with a snappier title and a JPEG and a thumbnail before we post it. But um, the idea of acknowledging how much really bad theology and Bible teaching and preaching is done, not just in pulpits, but in on Facebook and in private conversations at work and bumper sticker, you know, bumper sticker theologies and things like that. Like, how do we, how do we recognize that? Uh, Maybe some examples that we've, that we've, where we've done it or when we've, when we've um, heard it, and then maybe some ways that we can start thinking, thinking better. There's a YouTube channel that, um, I think would be worthwhile checking out if someone hasn't. And that it's Mike Winger is it's not the channel, but he's the guy. And I think his channel is called um, how to think or thinking biblically or biblical thinker. And his, his tagline is helping people to learn to think biblically about everything. And he deals with all kinds of topics. I I would recommend it. It's, it's worthwhile to, to watch. Um, But that's kind of, that's kind of his, his thing is, uh, how do we 
step out of this this shallow, this narrow, myopic view of of the Bible and and apply it, you know, to everyday everyday aspects of life. I think a lot of the bad Bible that we hear is in some kind of attempt to do that, um, you know, to apply scripture. So here's a good example, just a funny one, a good example of, of how this happens. And it's, you know, taking a specific verse of scripture and isolating it, either isolating it or a piece of it, and then making an entire theology out of it. So in Sunday school, a few weeks ago, we were talking and people were talking about, I, I was drinking a cup of coffee and we have this couple in our church. They don't drink coffee. They're like super healthy. They, you know, they're, they're 10 years older than we are. Very healthy people. They hardly ever miss church because they're hardly ever sick. And I'm like, you know, hey, you know, Larry, you don't drink coffee, do you? He's like, nope, I've, I've never. I said, how do you even live? Like, how do you even get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. He said, just water and orange juice. And I'm like, oh, orange juice maybe, but I couldn't drink water every day. In fact, I don't drink water and because the Bible tells me not to. And, you know, he kind of looked at me and my father-in-law was visiting. He looked at me and I was like, it's what the scripture says. I mean, it's, it's, it's clear in the, in scripture that we're not supposed to do this. And he said, what do you, I said, Paul literally told Timothy, I mean, literally told Timothy, drink no longer water. And it's right there. It's like, drink no longer water. Um, and people were just laughing. I was like, it's just what the Bible says. It's clear. You cannot argue with it. And he's like, well, I think you're leaving off part of that. And I was like, yeah, you know, use a little wine, but we're Baptists, you know, we don't do that. So I can ignore that portion of it because it doesn't fit. And I'm just going with this drink, no longer water. So I'm not drinking water anymore because that's what the Bible says. And if you are listening to me right now, and hopefully you're not thinking, you know what? He's right. I'm going to stop drinking water. If that's you, go seek professional help. Please. But for all the rest of you, which is like all but one of you probably, we know how ludicrous that is. Like that is absolute lunacy. And it is. But it happens in pulpits and on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok every single day. Yeah. And um, I, I just wanted to kind of have a conversation about that. Like what's what's so harmful about it? Why do we think it happens? How can we, you know, how can we do better about it? So, Nate, why is it so harmful? Like, what's the big deal? Anyway, who cares about just, you know, bad Bible, bad theology? I mean, it's all scripture. So what what difference does it make? Yeah, if someone says what difference does it make, I, I would have to think that you have no priority of context anywhere in your life. No doubt. So if you were to able if you were able to go back and listen to a few episodes ago, Mark and I were making jokes about potty situations. Um, at the end of it, when I was laughing at one point, I made the statement, "My wife is going to kill me." Mm -hmm. now, I'm disappointed because none of you called the local East Texas police and said Nate said his wife is going to kill him. Right, right. Nobody would do that because you would know the context of it is a, a slang a term that we would use here to say, man, I'm going to be in big trouble if this is heard. So, you know, if you were just to take parts of the Bible, I think, you know, if I were to get up and say, there's some of you right now listening and you are struggling, you are caught in between making a decision of whether to buy that business or sell it. You are caught in between two different chasms but you know which way you're leaning. And the Bible says, and Jesus even said that what you're going to do, 
that which thou doest, doest quickly. So you need to leave here and you need to go out there and do, and somebody could literally in some of these churches, Mark, jump up and scream amen and yep. go do something stupid. And then without knowing, well, the context of what he just said is when he said to Judas, go ahead and go betray me. Right. Right. So there is a huge danger. And I think what happens is, and, and, and here's one of the things about the hideous bride that we are not afraid to shy away from. Yes. Pastors are a part not of the afraid problem. to shy away from, which means we shy away from it. Okay. We, whatever. Um, yeah, we enjoy I couldn't, stupid. I could care yeah. less. You, so you could, do care. I, okay, go ahead. Continue. So help me say what I want to say. Like, we're not afraid to speak <laughs> the truth. Yeah, okay. we're not afraid. Um, so, um, but we're not afraid to also say pastors are a part of the problem with the bride being hideous. Yeah. But people are just as much of a problem mm-hmm. because what gets rewarded, we've said this before, gets repeated. And I had a friend of mine, Mark, one time he, he told me, he said, I was preaching somewhere. It was at another church and he had made some reference to it. At this time, he believed kind of like we would have been brought up in something about the King James Bible. And he said, mm-hmm. I made some snarky comment about the King James Bible and the room went nuts. He said, then I started preaching for five to 10 minutes on uh, something that involved the blood of Christ. And he said, it was crickets. And finally, my buddy told me, he goes, I actually scolded the crowd and said, hey, I got a question. Five minutes ago, I made some comment about the Bible and you all went crazy. And, and, and for the last five minutes, I actually was laying down pure doctrine on the blood of Christ and none of you care. Now, the truth is, is that an evangelist gets brought back because of the reaction of the people saying, oh, we, we, we got to hear that guy again. I mean, he was yeah. entertaining. He was a go getter. He was, you know, and so when that is your thought pattern going in and you have no desire as mark said at the very beginning people don't read the bible that much i don't think the problem is that they don't read it that much i think they don't have a desire to know what they're actually reading and and you know because if you were just to read a chapter a week but really read and delve into words Mm -hmm. meaning structure i think it would do more for you than reading 50 chapters and not even knowing where somebody could get up and say something clueless so i i genuinely think part of the problem is People enjoy staying at a lower level to where I remember when I was a kid, we had a church yard sale because, you know, our Christian school was beyond small. And it was, you know, the class that I was in, it was me and this other girl. That was it. Like nobody else was close to us. And so we wanted to have this yard sale to raise money for a senior trip because, you know, that's just what Baptist schools did. did. And um, so we're asking donations from people in the church. And I'll never forget, I walked up to one lady and I was like, hey, you know, we're taking donations. We can come to your house and pick it up. Do you have anything? And she just scolds me and goes crazy because, you know, um, Jesus said, you're not going to make this a house of merchandise. And I can't believe the pastor's letting you host a yard sale here. Yeah. Here's the problem, Mark. She was a Sunday school teacher. And even after that, nothing was really said or I was never truly taught why she was so wrong. Right. Yep. Like it was just, oh, well, you know, she kind of feels that way. But the pastor should have taken that opportunity to break down. This is what the passage meant. This is why Jesus said what he did, you know. But how many times have you seen somebody act like a complete jerk to use the same passage? And then in, in acting like a jerk, you say to him, hey, I don't know if that's as Christ like, like your spirit's really off. Well, Jesus flipped over tables. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, but 
do you know why he flipped over it? Right. <laughs> so I, I think we're just, we're, we reward stupidity. I don't know what yeah. it is about us where ignorance is celebrated. Um, and it's, it's not just all like, uh, you know, silly, obviously crazy interpretations. Like I'll give two from when we were in college and cause we heard it all the time. One was it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And they never dealt with that chapter or the verses surrounding it or the entire verse in itself. Just it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And they made that single phrase into a doctrine. And it was taken so far purposely so that I've watched, I watched girls not often and happen often, but it was at least twice where I watched girls faint and the guys backed up, let her fall rather than catch her. Because if you touched her, that was a sin because the Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And there's a lot of other things that the Bible says. And Jesus touched women. Well, he was Jesus, but he was also a man. And if touching a woman was a sin, then he sinned. You can't get around that. You can't, you can't pull the right. Jesus card and say, well, Jesus was perfect. Right. And he touched women, which means touching women isn't a sin. So that's probably not what Paul meant. And, you know, so you're taking it to this asinine extreme because it's just bad Bible. So that was one example of it. And, and, the, and the consequences of, of it were, in some cases, catastrophic. But then another one that was used, also from the Apostle Paul, also to the same church in Corinth, where he said, uh, seek not a wife. Right? So you don't go looking for a wife. I mean, we know the Bible says he that findeth a wife, but just ignore that because you're not supposed to seek for a wife. So don't look for a wife. That's not what you're here for. You're not here to date. You're not here, to, you know, don't seek a wife. Ignoring, the, ignoring, and everybody else is supposed to pretend like they don't see that the emperor's naked and ignoring the fact that, that before seek not a wife, it says, art thou loosed from a wife? That's the, you know, on the bait, if you're loosed from a wife, then don't seek a wife. But it's not just a blanket principle for all people of all times in all circumstances, seek not a wife. But that's the kind of thing that uh, that that passes as as Bible preaching. That is just oh, it's so bad. It is so bad, and it produces it produces people who are very sure that they're holy, while they're just they can only exist within a small ecosystem because outside of that ecosystem, people are like, you, you're, you're insane. You're yep. insane. That's not even, and then they, so to respond to that, and I'll kick it back to you to respond to that. Pastors have to preach against things like um, expository preaching and preach against people who say, well, the, you know, what's the context. And now a lot of the guys that are still doing this have picked up on this. And I'm hearing them say things like, well, in context, in context, they're still not actually paying attention to context, but they're at least right. trying to use the word. Um, right. uh, but it, yeah, it, th so those are just, those are two. I know you heard both of those. I heard both of those. All God's children probably heard both of those. And that kind of stuff happens all over the place. Um, and that's a good example of in church, really bad preaching where you take that one phrase and you just rip it out and beat people with it. Go, Nate. And, and I think that there may be a segment of people who 
they're not at the point where we could help them yet in this conversation because it there has to come a point where you're you're willing to accept the fact of yes i have some preconceived ideas yep. i'm not trying to be so open minded that my brain falls out to use right. that old terminology but you know i i have to be willing to ask seek to see if some of these things are true because there's there's also bad logic that attaches that. So I had a guy one time as I was coming out of fundamentalism, it was his job to correct me. So he mm-hmm. took me out once and and I don't, I'm not dogging him because I at least give him credit for be willing to talk to me. Sure. But I just said to him, I said, can you explain to me why so many men in your movement? And I said, and I'm like, and I grew up around it, but it's been proven now through documents of things that are out there that these were not good people. All right. They, they may have been charismatic and they may have been able to bring in a big crowd, but they were not good people. Can you explain to me how your entire system is built around men that do that? And his response to me was, well, when godly men are doing what they're supposed to Satan attacks them. I said, Oh, so the preacher that you like, when he has an affair, it was Satan attacking him. Yeah. But this guy over here, when he had an affair, you tell me it's because he believed in bad doctrine. Right. And that's we've seen that with one of the former leaders of fundamentalism. He was accused of attacking the Bible. I don't think he was, but that's that doesn't matter. That's so long ago. Nobody cares. But I don't I, I genuinely don't think he was trying to. Um you're better off again, just throwing stupid pithy statements for these morons out there to keep them happy as opposed to trying to actually explain a position. Yeah. Um, And when he did that, it was, you know, if you attack this Bible, that's what happened to so-and-so. Okay. Well, this guy over here, he did the same thing. Right. Well, that's because he was a godly man, Mark, and the Satan was after him. Right. I mean, that's such a bad logic where when you have people who they genuinely don't want to have a narrative change they're enjoying you know looking foolish and they love to hear preaching where a guy gets up reads half of a verse closes the bible sets it down or maybe he even leaves it open but he just rambles and then uses verses here and there and picks them everywhere and can you can you preach a sermon with 10 different verses from 10 different chapters i think you probably could but the amount of study that you would have to use to do it Right. Is a level that we're not seeing. Right. Um, and we know that because one of the reasons why Mark at the beginning, someone may listen and go, why would he not want to study for Wednesday night? He doesn't have time to properly study. And Mark has a conscience. So right. he's not going to get up in front of his people and say something like, you know, I was busy this week. So I only had about 10 to 15 minutes, but I'm doing the best I got here. Right. I mean, then you shouldn't be up talking about the Bible because the part that frustrates me about the Bible and people that preach it to not try to immerse yourself in the culture of the time that it was written is absolutely foolish. Yeah, like hundred percent. I came from Michigan to Texas in Michigan right now. It's 40 degrees. If I wrote a letter to someone in Michigan, like when I lived there, I would say, Hey, it's October. Make sure you put on a jacket. Right. And I'm just right. using an example. That's yep. something yep. people. But now that I'm in Texas, if somebody read that and thought, well, these are the words of God. I mean, we're in Texas. He said to wear a jacket. I mean, 
It's 95 freaking degrees. Why would you wear a jacket? Right. You know, when he wrote it, he was writing to people in a different climate and culture. So can I pull a truth out of there of he's telling people to protect their bodies and warmth? I think you can. But to say that in that moment, you know, I mean, to take verses in Romans and talk about, you know, well, this is talking about, you know, being kind to your brother and sister. Actually, he's talking about people that were mad about circumcision and eating meat at a market. Right. Things that you have no idea what you're talking about, no matter how much you try to. You're just doing the best that you possibly can to explain the situation. But you're you're dumbing down something to a point where people just sit there and, yeah. you know, I don't know. I'm sorry for my. No, I, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Right. I mean, in in a lot of in a lot of churches, the amount of time it takes to put together a message that is worth listening to, to do that three, maybe four times in a week, like is, I just, I don't see how, I don't see how pastors do that week in and week out. And, and I know I haven't heard very many that, that do. I mean, it becomes obvious if you listen to all four that there are some times where you're just getting something that's reheated. Um, has to be, you know, and God's people deserve more than that. Besides the fact I'm, I'm, I'm more and more of the opinion that I think that we are super saturating people with preaching and teaching. They can't absorb it. They cannot hope to, um, to apply it all. And we would be better off with less of greater quality than just this constant, you know, verbal diarrhea that people can't even can't even begin even if you were the even if you were the best uh of teachers which most of us aren't myself definitely not people can still only apply so much my wife is so she's she's like she's the best thing that ever happened to me and she's very she sees things fairly black and white um she's not a politician at all and she helps to keep me grounded and so sometimes I'll come home and I'll be just like, oh, how can I teach this this coming Sunday? Because there's all of this information. She said, Mark, you think really deeply about things. She said, I try to find the single thread, the single, you know, the, the elevator pitch and boil it down to that. Yes, there's a lot of other stuff, she said, but if you give people too much, they won't be able to process it anyway. And I have done that so many times. And, and so she's really helped me to try to, narrow it down, boil it down. Um, but I would just love to see some guys have that problem, right? Like, <laughs> like that, that you actually are concerned about, I'm trying to give you, I, I'm trying not to load you down with too much stuff here. Um, I want you to be able to, to be able to understand it. But um, yeah, so I've seen dismissiveness when it comes to this. I remember sitting in a national conference hosted by the by the college, well, it was a soul winning clinic that we were, you know, and it was years ago. I don't remember what year it was. I went to, I went to college in 98. So in one of those years, um, and the preacher was preaching a message and he was preaching against dancing because, you know, it's such a problem. Um, <laughs> and so he's preaching against dancing and he said, you know, he was how wicked it was, how awful it was. And he's and as he's as he's walking around, he said, someone said to me one time, David danced before the Lord. 
And I shot back, David also committed adultery. I'm not trying to be like David. And it's that kind of, you know, and everybody, of course, everybody went wild and went nuts. I probably right. did too. You know, I was like, yeah, you got them. It's like, no, you, you, you didn't because it was <laughs> David who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit said, praise him with the timbrel and dance. And God never, never corrected David in scripture for dancing before the Lord. He did correct him for the adultery. So to say that because David committed adultery, everything David did was bad is to ignore them, is to ignore what a pivotal character David is in scripture. I mean, Jesus talked about David and Paul talked about David and Peter talked about David. I mean, David was the guy. And, and so, but when you are divorced from the constraints of scripture, then you can just, you can just proof text and partial proof text and say whatever you want and find some snappy way to to get away with it, whether it's alcohol, whether it's the translation issue, whether it's the uh, standards issue, um, you know, if, you're just you're just looking for a simple verse. You know, it's big within fundamentalism to still use. I think it's Jeremiah six. It's either Jeremiah five or six to still use. I will get me unto the great men as a proof text for um, uh, admiring and listening to the men of the past. Because if Jeremiah said he would do it, then we should do it. And no matter how many times we point out to them that Jeremiah in a, a couple of sentences later said, yeah, but these guys were rotten too. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, does, it, it doesn't matter. This kind of bad, uh, narrow preaching doesn't matter what the rest of the Bible says. You just need a verse. You just need a verse. Now, uh, I remember when this hit me hard, I was preaching in my church and I was preaching um, and I remember several of my proof, because here's often how this works. You take a, a sermon, you're preparing it, you type into your Bible study program the keyword that you're looking for, and then you just start cutting and pasting into your notes every verse that has that word in it that right. appears to support what you're saying. And I remember I used a couple of verses out of Job about something about the nature and character of God. Um, and as I'm preaching, like I'm getting to this verse and I'm getting to ready to read it. And I said, let's, let's turn over here. And I'm looking and it was like the Holy spirit said to me, I don't know if he did, it could have been pizza, but it was like, he's like, like this verse doesn't mean what you're saying that it, that it means. Now I plowed through and did it anyway. But as I went back later and looked at it and read through the book of Job and you get to the end of the book of Job and God's like, tells Job's friends, nothing you said about me was true. Right. You know? And so you pull verses, you know, this is what the Bible says about God. Um, no, this is what the Bible says someone said about God. And it may or may not be true. Like I tell people all the time, not everything in the Bible is true. Not everything is true. And you know, not only are the lies of the devil in there, but there are other people who say things that aren't true in there. So it's true that everything in the Bible that's there happened, but it's not true that everything in the Bible is true. And I think that's lost on, on some people, especially in the King James card, like everything this book says is true. It's like, you're, you, mm, nice word. You're, mm, you need help. <laughs> you need help. Take it away, Nate. Please dig me out of this hole I've gotten myself into. <laughs> that is, uh, you can direct all questions to this poor pastor at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> not the hideous bride Gmail and not to. Um, 
No, I'm going to give I, you a personal email out here. Yeah, so please do it. I think what Mark is trying to say here, trying to say, is it. What I mean is, is that on the back end. Now, what he said, I, I actually, you know, I could catch some flack for this. I, I, I would agree. So I, when, I, when I'm, I'm not correcting what he said because I think he's, he's attacking the fact to break it down to the simplest of form of. For those out there who just enjoy the thought of the simplest of the simple yeah. life, you know, within your own context, life doesn't work that way Yeah, in any arena. I mean, I'm in the state of Texas and to get things done for my car, I had to go to like five different buildings, right? Yeah. Like life is complex. Life is crazy. If you have a question at your job, try to get a hold of HR. They won't even give you a solid answer. Yeah. Um, so there is there is a joy i think mark for somebody to say like hold up a bible and say you know i can claim that this is the one that everything in here is true and yeah. anyone that tries to tell me what mark said is a heretic because how dare he um and but they they don't realize that you know when i was a kindergartner i thought life was a lot more simple mm-hmm. i remember saying to i remember like it was yesterday third grade they had us watching some video and it was a great thing because you could go into a special room with the teacher once a week. And it was the, the big box TV with the straps around it. So it wouldn't fall on somebody, you know, the VHS thing. And we would go in there and I remember they, they showed us a video and it was a very just simple video on drugs. Right. Mm -hmm. So when it was over, you know, they like don't do drugs, whichever president came up with that or president's wife. So we watched it when it was over questions started happening and somebody asked the question if drugs are bad why do people do drugs right third grader Mm -hmm. simple question teacher well that's because they like money next question just like it was yesterday why does money matter and the teacher now i look back and i'm like i get it but at the time she was so perplexed because mm-hmm. she's an adult that understands why money matters, but she's talking to little kids. How do you get them to understand that money matters? You, you can't yeah. because to a third grader, money is nothing. Who cares? I wouldn't sell out my friend for money because I don't know what money is. I don't know why the world works the way it does. I would never understand if lying on your taxes is a bad thing. Why would somebody do it? Right? Like yeah. if insider trading is bad, like, so for a lot of people, they enjoy that where, well, every word in here is absolutely true. And, you know, I, I think Mark and I would both agree that the Bible is God's word. But to yeah. sit there and say that you can take the Bible and everything is there's a huge difference in descriptive and prescriptive, right? Absolutely. To take everything as prescriptive or to pick and choose what you want when you want, you know, I I think it goes back to our conversations at the very beginning. You're enjoying hypocrisy because it allows you to take the Bible and just use it however you want. And also um, your simple thought pattern can be shot down by just one verse. And if you have a, if you have a theology where one verse can shoot it down, it's the worst theology in the world because you're not supposed to use one verse for anything. Right. right exactly. <laughs> but you, you and I have seen these people where, um, you know, or two verses you can show them and it's, it's a, 
but they don't want to embrace the fact that I would have to study more and that this book was written by men. And in some cases, people believe women more possibly than there's what is in there. You know, again, these are some things that we don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that God wants there to be some mystery in some regard. No doubt. And I, th I think that that's why Jesus broke it all down to, Hey, love each other morons. Like yep. <laughs> that's what it goes down to. Like you can handle this, you know, like can you figure this out? Because, but there is a segment of people and I think, and this is going to get me in trouble too. I Good. think that, I think that people like the idea of life as it once was thinking that it was grand. Yeah. Right. Like, so I made a comment in church once, Mark, where I said, look, those of you that tell me that the United States used to be a utopia, I don't want to hear it because if it was so great, how are we here right now? Right. right. Like, I mean, yeah. Who would have ever tried to change it? Right? Who would have ever tried to change it? And after church, I had an older couple come up to me and they were respectful, but they're like, pastor, you have no idea what it was like. And I'm thinking, I bet you if we asked the young people that were being worked before unions came around um, to death and dying, they would not agree with you. Yep. I bet you if we talked to the minorities that were placed in slums, they would have a different outlook on America. Yep. But you've convinced yourself that there's some sort of utopia. And for the fundamental church that we came from, the ball keeps moving where it was the 1960s, the 1970s. Now it feels like they kind of like to be in the eighties and nineties mm -hmm. where that's where our um, technology stops. That's where our, you know, um, yep. you know, ability to, and I think that there's a thought pattern of life used to be better. Yeah. And it, I think so. I, I hate to tell you this. It wasn't, I mean, nope. it's always been full of sin. So, yeah, yeah. And, and one of the, one of the blessings of God is the ability to improve and to grow. I mean, I love, I love it. Uh, last year at Christmas time, a guy got on and did a, a, a live stream where he was bemoaning the state of things in, in America. And he was sitting in front of his Christmas tree and decorations and mentioning how much better we would be if we, as America could go back to the days of the Puritans while he's sitting in front of a Christmas tree. <laughs> it's like cognitive dissonance much because like the Puritans never would have allowed you to have that Chris. You're, you're, you're sitting in more freedom right now than you would have had under the Puritans. And right. by the way, your wife wears pants never would have happened under the Puritans. And I know you believe in social drinking never would have happened under the Puritans. So it's, it's like you can, were there some good things? Yeah. But I think some of those good things still exist today. Um, you know, it's like, don't, don't look around. It's like this, this world really, really stinks. God, I mean, this is a great time. This is a great time to live. Um, yeah. have you but, ever got an old video game system? I've made that mistake going think, into a store. thinking that all oh, this was so cool yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Spending a hundred bucks on a super Nintendo system and whatever. Yeah. And then you take it home and it's awesome for like a half hour. And then you go, why would somebody want to play this baseball game when they can go get the one that looks like real life? Yeah. You know? Or yeah. Watch a Watch a new CGI uh, film film. There you go. Watch yeah. a new C CGI movie and then uh, go back and watch polar express. I mean, I remember when polar express came out, I mean, that was like groundbreaking with the technology that, that they used. Now you look at it and you're like, that looks so fake but when it first came out i was like that looks so real you know right. and 
it, yeah, things are, things are definitely improving. I remember when the internet went, I remember the first time someone said to me, Hey, you want to come over and surf the internet? And I was 20 at the time. I was like, surfing the internet. What's that? You know? And we went into his room and he pulls up, he pulls up his emails uh, on dial up. And he said, Oh, someone sent me some pictures. And he started, he clicked download. He said, let's go do something else. We'll come back in a few minutes. Yep. I mean, that was the thing, right? That was, that was it. Um, but, and it, but it goes kind of back to what you said about like getting into the mindset of the, of the culture and times in, in the Bible and um, not making the mistake that just because you see the words me, us, we, and our, that everything translates over, you know, you've robbed me. Well, where have we robbed you? You've robbed God in tithes and offerings. Well, that wasn't said to you. That was said to specific people in the nation of Israel. It's not, I'm not getting into whether or not tithing is New Testament. I'm saying that wasn't said to you. Right. And God doesn't bust your windshield because you didn't, you didn't give. Um, but just recently I saw a guy saying that if you, if you're late in your tithe, you have to add 15% because, and he quoted a verse out of Leviticus that said, thou shall add, you know, uh, this 20% or 15% to it. And I responded to him like, dude, literally this verse is talking about if you want to redeem your tithes, not if you're late with your tithes, but it doesn't even matter to some, to some people. It's just like pick and choose this verse, that verse, the other. Now we all have to be careful not to do that because other than Nate, most of us still struggle with this. It is really tempting to just slap a Bible verse on something and, and, and run with it. Um, if I was going to suggest how to, how to, how to address it, I would say use less Bible when you talk to people. Um, now I'm a hypocrite because just this morning on my pastor's page, I posted, be a grace giver today. And I posted Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You know, but that last part says that it may minister grace, minister grace, King James for it. It may, it will give grace to the hearers. So be a grace giver. There's nothing wrong right. with picking some principles out of God's word. That's fine. There's, but, but it, it's not written. Ver, the Bible isn't a group of isolated verses to be, you know, bumper stickerized to, to death. So just be careful about it. Don't be so quick to throw proof, te proof texts at someone. Um, yeah. And, you know, pick the feel good versus again, not everything in scripture is for you. It's all to you, but it's, it's not, it's not all to you. It's for you, but it's not necessarily all to you. So I think be careful about that. Give grace to your pastor. If you find him doing that this week, that doesn't mean he's a bad guy. He may be wrong. And any pastor yeah. who speaks week to week is going to make these kinds of mistakes. I still do it all the time. I probably will do it until I die. I'm working hard, but that doesn't mean it's an excuse either. Right. Um, so we have, we should work to do better. So be careful when you do this, uh, be careful of bumper stickers and, you know, hashtags and that kind of stuff where you're just picking a single verse because no verse was written in isolation. So be very, I think, be really, really careful about doing that. Treat the Bible as if it's more complicated, you know, than, than what you, you think it is. And I hear someone say the Bible's so simple, even a child can understand it. No, nope. Some parts are, some parts right. are, but there are a lot of parts that aren't. 
And so the Bible is a is an amazing book, but it's not it shouldn't be treated haphazardly that way. I think I agree. And I think too, you know, if you had a pastor who you've noticed is doing this as a member, think how can I help? And not just mm-hmm. by walking up and correcting him. All right. And when we talked a few episodes ago about why pastors take it personally. And if you're going to leave a church, here's some ways to maybe think about it. Walking up to a guy, the second his sermon is over and correcting him yeah. is that it just doesn't go well because you have to look at it from the perspective of however long he prepared, he's the one that actually prepared. And all you had to do is sit and listen. Yeah. So if you're going to go correct him afterwards, be mindful of that. If that was me, but think to yourself, you know, we're not saying, Hey, cancel church just to cancel church to be cool. But we're saying if you have a pastor who, especially in a community where he's not a teaching pastor, he doesn't just get paid to study. Like he Mm -hmm. literally runs everything. He's counseling you. He has to go to your birthday parties. He has to do all these things. And then you want him to preach four times a week. Think to yourself, is this helpful? We had a man in our church when we, we um, canceled Sunday night church um, at solid rock years ago. And the reason why we canceled it was because with my family life, it just wasn't working out. And to be honest with you, I had to be honest. I didn't know if I worded it to the people, but I wasn't studying like I needed to study. I didn't have time. I was working an outside job, got a disabled son that I'm learning more about. And Sunday night was just not going to be of all the services caught. We figured that would be the one that would be the, probably the best, right? Mm -hmm. There was a man in our church and I'll never forget this. He never said a word. And it was, we were, I was golfing with him months later. And he said, pastor, I want to tell you something. He said, when you canceled Sunday night church, it was the most mad I've ever been in my life. I went home and I literally like my wife heard it. And he goes, because he thought this, he said, our church is in trouble, not in trouble, but we wanted to grow. Mm-hmm. And he goes, we want to grow. And the only way to grow is to have more church and not less. It was a very mm-hmm. simple mindset that he had. He said, but now looking back on it, he's like, I think it was the smartest thing we ever did. He said, and I told myself I wasn't going to talk to you for at least three months. Now that was probably Mark. I will never forget that. One of the most godly things I've ever had a member do yeah, because, no doubt. because they had enough decency to say, I'm going to, you know, because in his mind, if it didn't work out, he could talk to me and then he could go find a church that had Sunday night. Right. You know? But he was at least going to give me the benefit of the doubt to see, okay, is what he's saying legitimate? So can you help your pastor? You know, maybe it's not. Um, he didn't just subtweet Hebrews 10 yeah, 25 at you. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's, hey, we're not going to cancel our services, but we have to find a way to alleviate some of the pastor's burden somewhere else so he can study. Whatever. I mean, but there's things as a member think about that you can do. I would also say, you know, um, pastor, if you are not adequately studying, you're going to pay for stupidity on the back end. No doubt. Um, You know, Dumb and Dumber, um, one of my all time favorite movies. I mean, Seinfeld, Dumb and Dumber. I mean, these are things, Tommy Boy, I could quote them all day long. Well, Dumb and Dumber, there's a scene when they finally make it to, you know, where the salmon flock like Capistrano <laughs> and Aspen, <laughs> where they finally make it. And Lloyd is, is he's told he's got to meet this woman at, you know, a certain time. It's a lie from his buddy. But when he's walking out of the establishment, we'll call it that, there's a sign on the wall that says we landed on the moon. 
and it was a paper clipping that had happened, you know, at that point, it would have been what, 20 or 30 years prior. <laughs> and, and he looks at that and he goes, we, we landed on the moon. And then you can, as he walks through the doors, you can hear him scream emphatically, Hey, everybody, we landed on the moon. You know, and he's like going crazy. <laughs> and you laugh at that because you think, Oh, it's just a funny joke. But, Pastor, if you're teaching stupid, you're going to get stupid back. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have people who, Mark, it breaks my heart, honestly, because I know I was guilty of this at one point. When I see guys that we went to college with that are pastors, they read a Charles Spurgeon book for the first time and they think they just discovered the gospel. Yep. And they will post things that are so elementary, but to them, it's like, guys, we just did you know that, on this, the moon. That, that this Charles guy existed? Did you know what this book says about grace? And you're sitting there thinking, that was written, dude, like yep. almost as old as your Bible. I mean, you know. He wasn't the first guy to discover Calvinism. It's kind of been around for quite a while. Yeah. And was yeah, the apostle Paul thing? believed it, right? I mean, yeah. it's at least as old as Paul, Romans right. 9. He was so he was so eloquent. We can learn from him. But to sit there and shout something like you just discovered gold. Yeah. People look at that and go, "What?" <laughs> Charles Spurgeon was a man of his time. And it would be good if we would be men of ours. Um, Very good. But, oh, my goodness. Yeah, so many. You know, I'm trying to think of times, because I have to be, I think, honest enough to say that most pastors will not accept criticism from you if you criticize their sermon. We just won't. Most of us are so prideful. I don't know any other way to say it. Like, we're not going to accept it. But there have been times that people like Nate's church member do things that God uses it. And I can think of times in my life when some someone didn't directly confront me. So if you're looking for how can I help my pastor, I feel like maybe there are times, you know, he preaches messages and it's like, that is so far off base. Like, direct confrontation is a bad solution. Yeah. Um, Pray that God gives you the opportunity to have a conversation with the pastor and don't be afraid to voice an alternate view or a different opinion. And also don't be discouraged if he brushes it off or it seems to miss the mark, because I promise you he heard you. And there are things that I view differently and preach differently now, not because God led me to the truth and study, but because a godly man or woman planted a seed in my in my heart that I was too proudful at the moment to accept, but that seed planted and worked. And I was like, you know what? I was wrong about this. And so you, you can, you, you may not directly benefit yourself, but you'll be benefiting people down the road by planting that seed in that person's, in that person's heart and mind. Um, But I think the Bible is so important. It shouldn't be used carelessly. Um, Right. And and, we, we, sorry, go ahead. No, I encourage. Mark preaches from the King James. I spoke at a church a little bit ago um, that I, I did as well. What we would be honest enough to say, though, is especially if you have a pastor that's using the King James, you know, when someone says something that you view as anti-King James, you think we're attacking. No, we're not. We're saying that pastor actually needs more time to study mm-hmm. because there's so many words in there that um, 
he could read them and you would have no idea whether he's telling you the truth or not because who has time to study some of these words right or or there was even a time when i spoke at the last church and they had me do sunday school and he's like hey i want you to cover the second half of romans too and i read mark uh, i told you this privately but i read in the last 12 verses, I think I read circumcision like 10 times Mm -hmm. and I could just tell from the crowd, the gloss in their eyes of, you know, and so I made a couple jokes about that, you know, and I did my best to try to get the crowd somewhat back to be like, yeah, I know we just, but when you are, when all you see is the thou ye, and then a couple different words and then circumcision 50 times, right. Your mind just, there's no other way for it to turn off. No. And when the guy is studying that, he needs more time because he's a human being too. Right. And you don't want your pastor to look at a passage and go, whatever. I don't even know. What I, <laughs> <laughs> let me just read the verses. And then I remember, uh, I'll, I'll shut up and then you can close out with this. I remember a preacher boy day in college. And oh, yes. And Mark, I, I hand to God, I've never prayed so hard in my entire life to not be called for something like I was doing the elementary thing of, you know, God, if you don't get my name called, I will, you know, I'll I'll go to Africa. I'll go to the farthest bus route every week. Africa. I'll do whatever, you know? And one time I did get called, but it was when we were preaching stupid stuff. So I fit right in. But I remember when they called you up, you'd have to sit up in the choir loft that they kind of had in the chapel and I'll never forget, they were like, here's your text. This is what you're going to preach on. And one of the guys, um, I won't say his name. He was from California. He's not a pastor now, so you'll figure it out, Mark. But he got up and he goes, he read the verse like he was supposed to. And we all died laughing because it was the best I'd ever seen. He goes, all right, we're supposed to cover this verse right here. And he read the verses and he goes, but let me give you a subtext. And he said, turn over to... <laughs> <laughs> so he turned to the new testament verse and he preached whatever he had probably was going to preach to his bus kids that week <laughs> and we were all dying laughing and i was like that is wisdom right there that is wisdom and, but when a pastor does that we've seen it happen if he doesn't have time to study i guarantee you he's going to read what that college kid did yep. and go what the okay i'll read this but then we're going over here because i would rather talk about that yep you know, absolutely. So, I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh, I was going to say something and it's gone. So we shouldn't, I guess I'll just let it, I'll just, I'll just let it go. Let man, it go. I was hoping it was a college story. It, it was, but I'm trying to remember what it was. Preacher boy day. Um, well, no, I, well, I remember in, I remember, I don't, I don't know what class it was, but they gave us like the teacher assigned, um, several of us guys to be the teachers and then allowed members of the class to assign us the topic. And I remember a mutual friend of ours was given, you know, explain the 10 toes on the beast, you know, some kind of nonsense like that. And to his credit, he got up and said, you know, I'm supposed to teach on these 10 toes, but I got no idea what this even means. But, you know, I should. And I'm going to study. 
and figure wow. this out. And the teacher was like, no, nah, that doesn't count. Eh, zero. But I had a lot of respect for that dude in that moment to say, yeah, sure. I don't know what this means, but I should. Yeah. Now, whether he should or not is another another point. But right. it was the it was just the, the willingness to be, you know, to be humble like that and say, I got no idea because we all have heard just some of the. But again, I think some of that nonsense comes because we're just preaching too much and we are teaching yeah. too much. You just you don't have the time. It's not quality. I we, we would I think the body of Christ would be better suited with less teaching and preaching, but more quality content. I'd rather have one service a week that is just solid, solid, and gives people something to leave from that room with, with a better understanding of scripture and better understanding of God and say, I can't wait till next Sunday morning um, again, rather than just like, you know, you know, three to thrive and we need to have more church, not less church and all this kind of, all this kind of nonsense. Um, but uh, that's just my opinion and it really doesn't matter because it's just, you know, it's just my opinion. But I do think, I do yeah. think that, you know, it'd be good if we would, if we would be a little bit more careful. Well, Hey, you mentioned a minute ago about um, the episode about leaving, leaving churches. We did have a question that had come in and it's, it's not a long one, but I wanted to tack it on here at the end. Segway. Segway. Have you, did you ever ride a Segway? I've never ridden one. I didn't. I, you know, I saw I Paul Blart in, you know, mall cop. Um, yeah and jealous actually um but so the question i'll have to paraphrase it because it was a little bit long and rambling but you know if you know the guy that's how it well, is we love you we think we, we love you for listening anyway um the question in our episode on why does your pastor take it so personal when you leave the church the question essentially was well what am i supposed to do in a church where i'm pretty sure by by the pastor's actions and history that he doesn't care. He wouldn't care less whether I was there or not. Like, yeah. how do I, how do I, and I think we, I think we touched on this in the episode, but, um, but I think that overall we did kind of focus on like, if you leave your pastor is going to be hurt. And my answer to that is any good pastor is going to care. Yep. So take that and that's, then you'll, now you'll know. Uh, any real pastor is going to care. Um, the Bible says that, well, I don't know that this is necessarily a pastor, but Jesus said that a hireling careth nothing for the sheep. So if you're in a position where you feel like the pastor wouldn't even care if I left, then you don't need to feel any guilt about that. Um, because he's probably not a real pastor anyway. Um, yep. And I know that there, you know, you can do exceptions and subs and what's abouts, but the bottom line is if you can leave and nobody notices, including the pastor, then there's no need to feel guilty about it. Um, I don't know that I want to say more, more than that about it, but what would you, what would you say, Nate? I think, you know, we had references. If you leave a church that's like a mega church, right? You know, that runs thousands, the guy's not going to care. And I think the case that Mark and I could make, some may disagree. I don't think that that guy's your pastor. Yeah, I do. I agree. Um, I think he's a teaching pastor, but 
when I sit in the seats at the local churches in town here, the, take the fact that it's live away, which does change everything. Judah Smith, Craig Rochelle, Perry Noble, Tim Mackey. I'm just naming some of the guys I listen to. Mm-hmm. And I listen to some other guys as well. Uh, Andy Stanley. Those guys actually minister to me just as much as the guy. Jack Howells. On that stage. John Rice. All right, Tori. Curtis <laughs> yeah, Hudson. Mark, Mark's, uh, <laughs> Mark's claim to fame. Um, my, my fave five. Yeah. So, um, but they, because I'm never going to see those guys. And when you say like, well, you know, don't listen to Andy Stanley. He's not going to visit you in the hospital. The guy at the local church is not going to either. He can't. If he just, right. if he visited everyone that went to the hospital in a church of 2,000 people. So it comes back to who are your core people within that church. So if you're a part of a group, I think your group leader is actually more of a pastor than the guy who gets yeah. up and speaks on behalf of the church. I agree. Um, so there is a dynamic there. Um, that's where, when I talked to the very beginning to make a personal thing where I am really struggling because I know wherever I go, I'm never going to have a pastor because I can't join a group because of my son. Right. Like, yeah. so if that's the case for you, as you're a part of a church, there's that some churches are bigger. They should not be structured the way that they are. I believe again, who am I? I one day will find out that the, the pastor that ran everything was right. Maybe, I don't know. I don't think so, but maybe where maybe a church of 500 to even a thousand, the the pastor actually does know who you are because you're trained to go to him for everything. And even if he only talks to you for 10 seconds a week, that 10 seconds you follow. What I would say, Mark, and, and you've dealt with death, I have too. When you leave, and it's not fair, but some of these guys view you as a death. Mm-hmm. And some people handle death differently. For instance, Sometimes for some people, when somebody dies, they leave all their stuff up and they say, don't take it down. Right. Other people, the second someone dies, Goodwill's there within the day. And you're like, they just took the body out of here and the house is cleaned out. Um, What I've learned is, is that whichever side of the aisle you're on, like we talked about before, you're not the standard. People handle death in different ways. Yeah. So your pastor may be broken as can be. But he doesn't know how to tell you that his only way in his mind is to clean out all of your stuff. Right. Is that right? I don't think so, because I think that even if that's how he feels on the inside, he owes it to you to let you know that you were special to him, that he thanks God for you, mm-hmm. that the years that you were at church. Now, he may go in the room privately and cry his eyes out as people that ask the question. And, and I know this because the person who asked it, I happen to know who it is. They work in a ministry level. So they know the pain of somebody leaving. Yep. You know, have I always done this? Absolutely not. There's been times where I should have handled somebody leaving better. Mark can probably, no doubt. but they're probably grieving in an unhealthy way. If they're doing that, you know, your best bet is not to poke the bear. You know, you just, you know, you kind of just get out of there as soon as you can. And maybe one day they figure it out. But honestly, they've probably done this so many times. That's just how they handle it in their mind. They just justify it. And when you walk away, their way of handling it is, well, I'm just going to draw closer to somebody else. So the five minutes that I gave Mark every week, I'm now going to give Nate 10. Right. And that's very unhealthy for a lot of different reasons because it makes me that's now getting 10 minutes feel like I'm more indebted to this man. But yeah, if he doesn't care that you're gone or if he's showing you that, I think that your best bet is just to go because you, 
Here's the biggest problem, Mark, and I learned this in my life, and you have too. We always think that we're different. Mm-hmm. So when we attend a church and families have left and the pastor gets up behind the pulpit and makes a fool of himself and talks about him, we think, well, when we leave, we're going to be different. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. If every time someone leaves your church, your pastor and his wife treat them like somebody died and like they don't exist anymore and have no respect for them and say things like, you know, well, I'll smile when I see you out in public, but behind my smile is something completely different. Yep. Friend, I, I, I know you're not going to believe me, but, you know, like we were taught, store it away. Someday you'll need it. <laughs> when you leave, that is going That's what they're going to gonna do to you. Yep. They're going to do it to you because that's their coping mechanism. And I, when I say this, like I'm not, I can't speak for somebody. I, if I say I'm sorry, I'm really not apologizing for what happened. But I, I, I say that sometimes to people because I'm telling you something that you're never going to hear. Yep. If a pastor treated you that way on the way out the door, genuinely, I'm sorry. Like, yep. you know, I can't take it back, but you need to know that that wasn't right. But you're also never going to get it back. So to constantly think about he wants me to leave, he hates me, it doesn't do you any good either. Because if he's a dog, and I think it's safe to call someone like that a dog, Mark, correct Mm. me if I'm wrong. No, absolutely. But if he's a dog, then let other people see it and you do things the right way. Because it's hard, but, you know, saving face is great. I mean, it's it's something that you'll not, showing grace to somebody like Mark posted. Be a grace giver. You will never share grace with somebody and ever regret it. Never. I promise you that nope. you will never regret giving grace. You say, well, they don't deserve it, right? That's kind of how grace that's works. That's the no way one, it works. No, no one deserves it. So, right. I know I kind of went longer there because I think I was trying to address more. No, I think that's good layers. But take you know take that home. Very good country roads like virginia you were just oh i was just in virginia and you know i was trying to remember that song because we were in the shenandoah valley and everywhere you go you crisscross the shenandoah river and i just had this little phrase shenandoah river and i'm like where's that from i know this song what hymn what gospel songwriter sings this song and then about the last day we were there i was like country roads <laughs> yes oh and i was at this place i was at this i was on the banks of the shenandoah river did you play like, it for your wife at least once i did i told her i said you yes. gotta listen to this song this is yeah. where we are <laughs> oh, love that! And nothing. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, Levi Robinson. He, I, he um, I heard him play that on the uh, on the guitar. Uh, a riff. He was in. in a, it's just a beautiful. Oh, I love that song. I love that song. It's of God. I don't care what you say. <laughs> love those things. Anyway, all right. We better we better end there. We started on a worldly note, ended on one. So sandwiched it. You know, negative, negative, positive, or positive. Neg- I don't know. Either way, we're done. So what we do? Go ahead, Nate. No, I just said that's what we do. But you were That's what we do. That. It's what we yeah. do. So, yeah. Anyway, so you know what to do. Like, subscribe, share, unsubscribe, email. Please email us, thehideousbride at gmail.com with all of your questions, your comments, your suggestions. All of those are uh, are not equally valid to us. So you need to know that up front. <laughs> but we're, we would love to hear from you at any rate. So, <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll see you next week. We're out. <laughs>